This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, brought to you by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. Orbition Group is delighted to bring this podcast series, which boasts some of the most high-profile data, analytics, and AI thought leaders from across the globe. Each episode details the journey to the top of our industry's most respected leadership figures, while bringing unique insights drawn from first-hand experience on the industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, experiences, and ideas to inspire, innovate, and give back to the global data and analytics community. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Andrew Burgess, who is the founder of Greenhouse AI. So, Andrew, thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. Good to meet you, Carl. Um, so, Andrew, where we always start is asking the guests to give us, a, I guess, a brief introduction into their background and, and journey to date, if, you, if you'd be so kind. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I'm an independent advisor on artificial intelligence, um, which kind of covers a lot of a lot of sins, I think. But that that really came about um, about eight years ago now. Where I um, my background is actually as a, as an outsourcing advisor. So I advise businesses on their outsourcing strategy. Came across robotic process automation at the time um, and saw that as a real challenge to the outsourcing world. So kind of got more involved in that but then that led me on to artificial intelligence as well because there's um if you know the world of rpa there's things that the robots can't do uh, that you either have to turn to humans or, or ai to do and that kind of involved me in that so i kind of then deep dived in, into ai and, and and realized you know that the value from ai is potentially orders of magnitude greater than rpa because you're looking into insights and, and decisions you know making better decisions etc rather than just this labor arbitrage piece so so was focusing on that, and about five years ago, then I I, um, I kind of took that plunge and resigned from my job that I had running a running a boutique um, outsourcing advisory company, and and went independent and have been doing that ever since. Um, but the RPA workers has um, I've had less focus on that now, much more focus on the AI piece. I think because. Um, that's that's you know AI is constantly changing. It's it's a you know fascinating market to be in, and and you know there's new new opportunities and new challenges every day. So it makes it makes a great a great um, place to work in. Um, also, kind of during that time, I wrote a book, uh, the Executive Guide to Artificial Intelligence, which was published about a year and a half ago. Um, and I've got some relationships with a number of academic institutions like uh, Loughborough University and uh, and Imperial College as well. Nice. Yeah, so that's that's kind of me. Good, good. Yeah, so um, very intrigued to kind of dive into this because I guess given my line of work, obviously AI is is all the rage, right? And a lot of organisations looking to to go on that journey if they're not already kind of got one one toe in the water, so to speak. But I guess before we jump into that, tell us about greenhouse AI and and obviously you gave us the you know the insight there as to why it came about but what what, what yeah. type of work are you are you guys doing at the moment yeah so so the focus of our work is helping organizations with the AI strategy so how do they start their AI journey and a lot of people um, have heard about AI they think they should be doing something but they don't quite understand what it is um, 
you know, where do they go? You know, if they say, right, I think I should be doing AI. What, how do you start that journey? So, so what we do is kind of help them with, with that journey. So a lot of that is around um, helping them develop an AI strategy. And we can talk more about that. Um, but then also taking them on that journey as well. So, you know, once you've done the AI strategy, then building the proof of values, uh, building the AI models, deploying those, getting the, the benefits out of that as well. You know, the whole life cycle of AI around that. So we help them do that. Me, I, I'm, I'm not a technologist myself, so I'm not a data scientist, but I understand the technology. Um, I can um, hopefully articulate that in, in non-technical terms to business people so they understand it. Um, but then I surround myself with really clever people that can do the data science and do do some of that kind of really, really technical stuff as well. So kind of all coming together to kind of provide this almost full life cycle of AI services, but really at focusing on the the front end. What's the business value we're going to get from this, which which is often forgotten about in, in when people kind of approach AI. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I guess that whole spectrum of data analytics and AI, you know, there's often often the same challenge, right? Which is yeah. every organization is either looking to do something if they've not already or looking to do more than what they're doing with that data, you know, within that data analytics landscape. And I guess um a lot of organizations typically jump to the advanced analytics, data science, AI, machine learning end of the spectrum because they, I guess that's where they perceive their the, the value to be, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it'd be great to get your take on this, being in the industry a little while now and probably saw some organizations mature through that journey. But why has there been such hype around artificial intelligence and, and where's that come from in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, some of the obvious answers, like you know, the movies, you know, Hollywood, <laughs> you know, yeah. that that you know, the 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 term AI, you know, there's, there's movies called AI, you know, so so pe- people see that they see this kind of glamorized version of, of what it can do, and you know, in a lot of cases, you know, the danger it can cause, etc., all all this, so so that 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 kind of doesn't help the situation. Um, because for me, you know, I, I, I almost take the opposite view and, and try and make AI boring for people, which <laughs> sounds very strange for, for, for a consultant to say, but people have got to think of it as, as a tool. You know, it's, it's like any other business technology tool that they can use. And, um, and, and once you strip away that hype, there's, you know, there's really useful stuff there. But, you know, the, 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 other, the other source of hype as well is kind of from the big tech companies, Google. Microsoft, Facebook, et cetera, all, all of those, Tesla, um, that, that create some, you know, some, some what, what can be some really good things, good models, et cetera, doing, doing some really useful stuff. But that's really at the, the cutting edge of AI. That, you know, these are, these are you know, they, they've kind of got the best people in, in the world working on these things, and they come up with some great things that make all the papers and the headlines, et cetera. But... Again, what what is it that business people can do on a day to day basis? What you know, I w- I want to do something today or tomorrow. What do I do? How do I start that journey? And they're not going to look at look at what you know is happening in 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 the labs and what's happening in the movies. They're going to see you know where do I go now to get this stuff and how can I how can I actually implement it? So, I think you know that's that's where we are at the moment. And you know, 
yeah, strangely making it boring <laughs> is is quite a good strategy because it it kind of really focuses people's minds and it just you know it takes away all that hype and profits around. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and that makes complete sense. I mean, I've heard so many leaders from within our industry states, you know, that they've been asked things like, you know, well, can we do AI on that? You know, and they're yeah. talking about a, a data and analytics project, and I guess seemingly very similar to standard data and analytics work. I guess there's a whole kind of peer pressure slash obligatory type of pressure that's coming from being seen to be doing this stuff and, and kind of AI is is the, the same, I, I guess. So you talked about before, you know, you not being a technologist, but you're, you know, being able to articulate it to you know business people and stakeholders and really to you know get them to start thinking about this more simplistically so it can add business value because ultimately that's all it comes mm. down to right that's the reason why we do it that's the same reason why yeah. we do data analytics yeah. projects it's it's taking us in the right direction to add some type of commercial value typically to our organization so in in that respect how do you go about kind of talking about ai to non-technical business stakeholders yeah, so I I think the key thing is to talk about the capabilities of AI rather than what it is. You know, what we don't want to do is talk about algorithms to to business people because they just like they'll just immediately switch off or go you know go and do some, something something else more interesting. So it's about you know what are the benefits of AI, what are the capabilities, and um, I use um, I use a framework, an AI called an AI framework, and this is what I kind of laid out in the book. But it's a good way of, of for business people to, to to understand that. So it starts at kind of a very high level, saying, "Well, AI is actually very good at capturing data and information, making sense of that. Once we capture that data, then then we want to understand what is happening with that data, and then ideally, we'd like to understand why something's happening with with, with that data as well. So, for example, in in that first category, capturing data, you've got things like um, image recognition, speech recognition, um, search, etc. So taking that unstructured data, images, sounds, um, text, and making some sense of that. And that, that that's really useful. And, you know, going back to that RPA piece, you know, the, a lot of that is used to, because robots have to have structured data to work on. If you've got unstructured data, then the AI can make it structured and the robots can then do their stuff on that as well. So um, so, so that, that's really useful. And But also you've got the structured data making sense of that. And that's where you think about the clustering. Um, looking for the correlations and patterns within the data and AI is very good at, at, at managing huge amounts of data. Whereas, you know, the human brain, we, we can do lots of great things, but as soon as, you know, as soon as you get more than, you know, three dimensions on something, then, then it becomes impossible to think about, but, you know, with AI, you know, you can think about, um, you know, hundreds of different dimensions um, and, and come up with some, something useful. So that that's really useful. Then when you get into that, what is understanding, you've got things like uh, natural language processing, so what's the intent of what those, you know, if somebody says something, the AI can turn that into words, but then what's the intent of those words? Because then you want to then do something with, with with that intent, you know, whether you want to order pizza, whatever it is, typically using, you know, chatbots, et cetera. You've got things like prediction, what's going to happen next, and that's around that big data piece, uh, and also reasoning and problem solving as well. So um if you've got a you know a particular problem to solve, you know route, route planning is a classic example. So you know I want to get I want to get to here. What's the best way of doing that? The AI can can do that very efficiently 
um, you know, rather than just trying every every particular route, it can come come to the conclusion very easily. And you can, you know, it's used in in medicine for finding, you know, um, particular uh, molecules that react with certain proteins, etc. Those sorts of things. And then the final, find that final piece around why something's happening. I always include this because that really doesn't exist yet, but that's a lot of what people see AI's capabilities as. So when we, when we're talking about cognition and understanding, AI can't do that. It's just a, a collection of all those narrow capabilities I've just discussed put together to give the impression of some sort of cognition understanding, but at a very basic level. The 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 understanding, you know, taking you know the ability of a brain to take one concept and then come up with new ideas and create new concepts. AI can't do that. You know, it may it may do in the future, and there's work done in the labs at the moment around that, etc. But it's very important, I think, to make those distinctions between um, what's available today: those narrow capabilities, speech recognition, Im image recognition, prediction, etc., and how you might put those together. Uh, with more traditional technologies to then create some something useful for business, I think is is really important. So that that's generally how how I'd explain that. I, I think the the other really important thing at the early on in this those discussions goes back to what you said at, at, at the beginning about you know some, and, and people people you know half jokingly say that you know clients ring up and say can I have an AI please? You know, it's like, <laughs> well, what do you want to use it for? You know what 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 are your business challenges? What are your objectives? And is AI an appropriate solution for those or not? And you know, a lot of the time it won't be because because you know, this AI is, is you know, it's not it's not an easy thing to do. It's complex. It's difficult to understand. And always go for that. You know, the the, the most the most simple solution is always the best one, obviously. Um, but there are some problems that where AI you know comes into its own. So if you if you think you want to be using AI. Think about the ambition. What's your ambition with AI? And that could be from, uh, we just want to improve some processes, make make ourselves a little bit more efficient, which is fine. Actually, before that, there's the there's the the one that that we we don't like. Where so I just want to tick the box to say I've used AI. If they start saying that, then you can you know you can ignore them. That's just not not going to happen. <laughs> so 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 it might go from like just improving some some efficiencies and processes right through to. We want to transform our business. We want to fundamentally change the way that we do we do business using AI, and of course everything in between as well. Ha having that discussion early on and understanding what your ambitions are is really really important because that then determines your first steps as you go forward. If you're going to just improve some processes, you might take one route. If you're going to transform your business, you'll take another route. So understanding that is really important, and then also the maturity where they are now. Is 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 the key thing. So you know, have they have they done some uh, some AI already? Uh, do they have a data science team in place already? All those sorts of questions. You know, I, I just use a very quick kind of survey to understand where they are with that. But then you can you know you can imagine you can take here's your ambition, here's your maturity, a current maturity. Therefore, the, you know the gap is that's that's the scope that you've got to work with. That's the opportunity there. And, and you know that th those are kind of those initial discussions that, that get people on that road to understanding AI. So it's a very long answer. <laughs> no, 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 it's perfect. Um, so the the maturity piece intrigues me because I think you know similarly with the more you know traditional data and analytics piece, a lot of organisations are still very much on that journey. And as I said, they they want to go to the the sexy stuff, right? They want to go to the yeah. data science and the AI, but 
they've not got the foundations or the infrastructure in place for that for that to really be as successful as it could or or should be what does that relationship in reality look like when you're going in and speaking to these organizations about okay you want to do ai why and immediately tying it back to the business objectives which i completely get and it's no different to the you know traditional data type of, of work right but what is what's the relationship look like from a maturity standpoint as far as you know data analytics goes and then the 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 difference if you like in terms of until they're going to be ready for ai if that makes sense yeah it's it's interesting actually and and people that there there is kind of a paradigm shift that people have to make in in, in their heads and a lot of, a lot of data scientists data analytics people will get this but you know, I've I've been I've been into a bank and spoken to the chief data officer about things like um, uh, predicting um, loan approvals. So should this person be approved for a loan or not? And you can you can you know hopefully understand where AI can come in come into use for that. But they they were so set on the kind of the traditional deterministic IT way of doing this is just, we've got a scorecard we'll you know we've got these 10 criteria we'll, we'll tick them we'll give them the score and if they're above the threshold or below the threshold that they get approved or not and you go in and say we're actually going to use this probabilistic approach where we're just looking at confidence levels and and, and probabilities and we're going to throw all this data in and we're going to come up with an answer and we we're going to have to work really hard to understand why we come up with that answer but it's going to be, you know, it's it's going to be on a on a this kind of, you know, this sliding scale of, of probabilities, and and that's that's a very very different way of thinking for some people, and some some people just can't make that leap. But once they do, you can see the light bulb come. Oh yeah, that's I, I get it now. Now we can use it for that and that and that, which 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 is really useful. So the the team have to have that that um, mentality around how to use. AI and why it's different from just doing some standard analytics. Um, but you know, to kind of to kind of address the the elephant in the room in terms of like, well, what is AI and, and where do you draw the line? And I, I kind of take a very broad view. It's you know, I, I I almost exploit that. Going back to the beginning conversation, exploit that hype around things because people they've heard of AI, they they kind of get a feel for what it might be. So that gets some interest in that, but actually, you know, say make make it, bring it back down to earth, and then say, you know, it could be just some, you know, logistic regression stuff at, at, at the simpler end of the piece, and then right through to deep learning at the other end. I just put all of that under AI. You know, I, I don't care really where you draw the line, as long as the client gets a valuable result at the end of the day. And if logistic regression is the best best approach, then then let's use that, and. You know, just you got you got to look at each each use case in turn and just determine where it is. But you know, there will be a lot of organised. You know, there's never just one opportunity for AI within an organisation. When I go in and do an AI strategy for them, I, I typically come away with forty or fifty different opportunities for AI. You know, using lots of different technologies, hmm. so they can be, you know, some very simple things, but some more difficult things. And and you know, from that you kind of build up your your roadmap and your prioritization of those opportunities you probably start with the easier ones but actually the more complex ones are where the bigger rewards tend to be so you can 
you, you can so you can see then your roadmap is right let's start with that simple stuff but, but we'll build up and we're, we're going to move to this area where we're actually you know we might be using some some deep learning reinforcement learning whatever it is to to do this but the rewards are going to be greater but we need to you know we can't just start with that the, the organization isn't ready for us we've got to kind of prep them and, and get them on that journey yeah yeah and, and that makes sense i think it's the whole piece around proving the value right proving that it works yeah. small little wins quickly so that people get bought into it because that that bigger stuff yes whilst there's much more reward in that that's probably going to take yeah. a bit more time to get there and you don't want to you know people to kind of fall off the wagon and get bored of waiting so to speak which um which makes sense i guess from a kind of tying it back to the data piece have you been in with organizations that, you know, I guess their maturity level from a data and kind of standard analytics uh, perspective is is still relatively low, but they want to kind of go on that AI trajectory quite quickly? Mm. And I guess what, you know, how do you tie that back together? Is there a, a whole host of, you know, I keep using the term standard data analytics work, but you yeah. know what I mean? I guess, uh, is there a whole host of work that needs to be done from that data perspective for an organization to truly reap the rewards of kind of utilizing AI? Yeah, so so it depends on them, you know, going back to the maturity, it depends on where they are with that. I've gone into some organizations, we can see lots of opportunities for AI, but they just, their data is just not in the, you know they've got lots of different systems there's no central store of that that is not clean enough etc so we've actually spent you know like six months just on a data strategy rather than an ai strategy and th- and that can be just as valuable actually because one you know th- there's lots of other benefits that are thrown off from getting your data right than than just ai so so it's a very valuable thing to do and, and worth doing um but what I try and do, if, if at all possible, is kind of do do those in parallel. So let's, you know, some of those um, quick wins, proof of values, et cetera, let's, let's see what we can get going. So we've got that momentum. People can start to see the benefits from, from, from doing all this data work um, so that when, when we, you know, what you don't want to do is like wait till your data is 100% complete, <laughs> accurate, et cetera, because that day never comes, does it? You know, yeah. that, that will never, ever happen. And, you know, the, the beauty of AI or one of the benefits of AI is your data doesn't have to be 100% accurate because AI generalizes over the data. So if it's, you know, for example, 80% accurate, that could be good enough to build the model that you want, that you want to build. You just have to be sure that the 20% that is inaccurate is not material to the, the, the <laughs> prediction you're trying to make, for example, you know. But that's, that's, the, that's the art of the data scientist to, un, to understand that. Um, but you know there are, there are definitely things you can do to keep to keep the momentum going, delivering value you know out, out of AF from this whilst getting your data in, in in order as well. You can usually tell very quickly in terms of you know what do they have on the cloud? Do they have any you know a, a, a data warehouse, data lake, any of those sorts of things? Um, you know if if it takes them you know six weeks just to set up a an azure you know environment <laughs> then you know you know you know you're going to struggle a little bit with the, with that particular client you know but you know it just some some organizations have that and they can just do it overnight some of them it's just yeah it's it's a struggle so yeah yeah and and, and that makes sense and i guess this is you know purely subjective i'm, I'm sure but 
what from in your opinion is the kind of the main objectives that organizations are using ai for in the majority is it mainly to kind of you know for efficiency purposes and to kind of speed up processes and automation is is that the bulk of what most organizations are trying to utilize ai for yeah i think you know where where we are in kind of the overall ai maturity piece there's very few organizations that inherently understand their objectives with ai as as a whole you know it goes back to that we think we should be doing some, something with ai there's maybe a competitor that's done something and we need to be doing something so you know how how do we start that so the ai strategy piece really allows them to articulate those objectives so the the strategy process effectively you know go in understand their business objectives, understand their challenges. That that's that's really the first thing. And you know, ideally they they'll have some KPIs or some OKRs or what you know, whatever method they use to kind of measure their success. And then we can align the opportunities for AI against those. You know, maybe they've got five different things they're trying to do, like reduce risk, improve customer service, whatever it might be. And, and ideally with some sort of metrics against that. But, and then you know, as we as I talk to the people in the organisation, <clears throat> identifying these different opportunities for AI, and then seeing how well they align with those with those opportunities is 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 really really important. Then you can start to rank them, prioritise them based on business value. Also, rank them based on ease of ease of implementation as well. So it goes back to that. You know, there's some some of the simpler things, etc. So you know, you get a list based on um, value and ease of implementation. And then that you know you start at the top of this, and that's your that's effectively your proof of values that you start with, and kind of building up momentum there. But you can build the business case around that, and the roadmap really falls out of that that approach in doing that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I guess keen to jump into that kind of strategy piece a little mm. bit more in a second. But I guess before we get to that point, Andrew, obviously you talked about how you know, to, to break this down into business terms and trying to move away yeah. from the technicalities of AI, you talk about the benefits really and what this thing is capable yeah. of doing versus what it's not capable of doing or what people think yeah. it might be that kind of, you know, silver bullet, right, that's going to solve all the problems within an organisation. Yeah. But do you talk around the the challenges and the risks, I guess, that, you know, might be associated with trying to get AI off the ground and up and running and, you know, being yeah. uh, beneficial to the business? Absolutely. You know, and although a lot of the the challenges are, are sim- similar to putting in any new technology, it's around change management, it's about adoption, buy-in, et cetera. AI has unique challenges. And, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the data already. So if the data's not there it's not accessible it's not the right quality um you know any of those things then then that's a big risk and people will get frustrated because they're not seeing the benefits quickly enough they're spending so much time just getting this data you know out of the systems into something else and etc so so that's that's one of the biggest problems and you know you don't there's, there's a little bit of a leap of faith with ai as well because you can't you know like a typical proof of value you might you know do do you know whatever your whatever your project is you might do like a tenth of it to test something out that's much more difficult with ai because you can't take or can't necessarily take a tenth of the data and then like build a model because you just won't be accurate enough you're just you're doomed to failure that way so you almost have to do everything 
to prove your to prove your value so so there's you could you know start a proof of value saying you know our thesis is we think we can predict um customer churn or something like that and we you know we think we've got enough data etc you know we know other people have done it etc so we we're really relatively confident something something we can get some value out of this but it could be the case that you know you do this and there's just not enough signal within the data to to do something out you know to get a good enough prediction and you think well yeah, okay i mean you've you've proved that that you know you need to then look for something else but you know you could do you know a, a, a quite a bit of work and not get any value out of it so there is a leap of faith that but you, you know you have to mitigate that through through, through as i said you know understanding the data looking at precedents what's happened before etc um and then there's kind of the very specific things around ai like like bias within the data um you know kind of a, a kind of ethical challenge as well uh transparency so um you know particularly if you're in a regulated industry you need to um, be able to explain the models that you've built you can't just say well computer says no you know you can say <laughs> well why did it say no and and have people understand well, it's not just because of one thing. It's kind of, you know, it's influenced by these these fifty different things, and we can kind of explain explain that. But it's not going to be well. It's you know, your loan wasn't approved because of your postcode. It's actually a little bit of this, a little bit of that, etc. So there's different ways that you need to deal with your customers or your your internal uh, customers um, to to kind of do that. There's also a few others as well. I think that that are kind of important that people don't necessarily think about. One is over-dependence on the AI. So you could build, you know, the best model ever and it's kind of, you know, almost like sitting at the heart of your organization, running everything. Uh, and and over time, you know, those, you know, although you might have tested it and, and you know, it, it's fine at the beginning, over time you can get, you know, what's called model drift and the you end up in, in you know, the, the, the AI is actually making bad decisions for you but you almost haven't noticed because it's it's almost step by step you know nudge by nudge going go, taking you in the wrong direction so you, so you need to kind of constantly test that and, and have um you know plan b's in place etc to, to to manage all that and kind of related to that as well there's um what i call naivety of, of ai so going back to that that framework you know talk about cognition understanding making sure that you don't um give the ai more credibility credence than it's actually due don't anthropomorphize the ai into something something it isn't you know i always say like if you say you know classic thing you know recognizing pictures of dogs you know that's a classic example of what ai can do in image recognition so when it's doing that all it's doing is you fed it lots of patterns of pixels images with dogs on and you've labeled them dog and you've ideally done lots of other images without dogs and you've labeled them as not dog and it's learned the characteristics, the patterns of pixels on that, so that when you give it a new pattern of pixels, a picture of a dog, it can, with some confidence, say, this pattern of pixels matches that pattern of pixels to a reasonable extent. Therefore, it's over a certain threshold. Therefore, I can label this dog. If you'd have labeled all the dog pictures elephant, it would have called them an elephant. It doesn't fundamentally understand what a dog is like you and I would understand what a dog is. Like you know, it's it's, a, it's an animal. We held it. We have pets. We could give them names, etc. It doesn't understand any of that, but because because of this, you know, the artificial intelligence bit, you know, people think that it acts, is actually understanding that. Oh yeah, that's a dog. It's not. So we've got to be really careful that we don't don't give it more credibility than it's than it's actually due. 
It's a really interesting piece. Do, do you think that's quite prominent in the industry that most people think that this thing is capable of, or, you know, is more intelligent yeah. than it actually is? Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. And, you know, again, going back to the hype and you know, the movies, et cetera, people, you know, see, see, you know, AI talking back and, you know, giving opinions <laughs> and, and thought all that, you know, that, that, that's, that's what you're kind of up against. So again, you have to kind of bring it, bring it back down to earth. And that, yeah, it's, it's, it's a constant challenge, I think. Yeah. So jumping into the strategy piece then, and I guess this kind of ties in with the, the proof of value or proof of concept mm-hmm. as you as you spoke about before. If an organization is about to go on this journey or is considering going on this journey, do they need to have that kind of whole AI strategy piece put in place? Or is is there a way that they can kind of simply go and try this and see if it works before investing time in the strategy. And I appreciate I'm probably talking you out of, <laughs> out of some work here, <laughs> yeah. Andrew. So yeah. Apologies, yeah. But I'm just trying to get a, a gauge. Yeah, no, and you know, and I, I would say this, wouldn't I? But, you know, absolutely, you do need the AI strategy. But, you know, I, I, I can justify that as well, because, you know, if, if you if you if you don't do the AI strategy and a lot a lot of companies you'll see just jumping in to do a proof of concept with about AI and they will um they might have read something in a magazine about it or, you know, whether a competitor has done something so they can, right, we need to do a proof of concept on this. And, you know, they'll get get some data scientists in, they, they do the data. And, you know, they might even get, a you know, a good result out of it. They'll get, you know, probably a spreadsheet with some predictions for something and, and reasonable predictions. But two problems about it. One, the first one is they think, well, now what do we do? We've got the spreadsheet. You know, we got to then integrate this into our ways of working how are we going to use this how are we going to keep it up to date all that all that downstream stuff that that has to happen to make it make it a valuable thing you know somebody wants that information presented to them maybe on a daily basis in the right format that's accurate it's, all the data has been fed in properly etc so that they can then make the decisions based on the information from the from the ai model if you don't have that, then then you're just wasting your time. The, the proof of concept is is completely valueless. So that so that that's the first thing. The second thing is whatever they've done on that proof of concept, if they'd have done the strategy, they would have, as I say, got this prioritized list of opportunities, business value, ease of implementation, etc. And what they've chosen might have been ninth on the list or fifteenth on the list or whatever. And the, you know, there's there's fourteen other things they could have done that might have given them better value or might have been easier to do than that and you know the 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 real danger is you you go into the proof of concept you do something and if it's not quite right or people can't see the value then they'll say oh you know um i was gonna gonna use a rude word there but you know you know let's let's not let's not go with ai um because we can't see the value from it and uh and and you you've just you know scuppered your chances you know you need to it's almost you know that you know keeping your powder dry until you've kind of got got everything sorted. You can see the art of the possible. That's what the strategy gives you. It gives you the art of the possible, so that you can then articulate that, particularly to senior management. So if we start this journey for AI, and here's the thing, here's the sorts of things we'd start with, but here's where we can end up. Here's our ambition. This is what this is what we think we can get out of it. That's that's hugely important because if particularly with something like AI, which is, you know, unknown, people could be a little bit fearful about it. If the senior executives aren't behind it, it's just not going to happen. Nobody's going to invest 
money in something they don't understand. You know, they'd be, they'd be foolish to. So having that education, going, you know, going back to, you know, being able to explain AI to, to, to business executives in non-technical terms, but also to show them the art of the possible, what, what they can do with this if they, if they do start their journey is really, really important. So that, that, you know, that's what the strategy gives you. And, and also, you know, there's the benefits of having some consistency to this as well. You know, if you're a large organization as well, what you get, you know, just, just like a lot of IT, you know, you get like these ghost IT systems being, being built up, you know, um, Somebody, you know, somebody in the customer service that says, "Oh, I'll do this," and somebody in the in the finance department says, oh, "I'll do this," and all these little pockets of AI, and you know, they may they may be good, but actually, if you if you looked at that as on the whole, then you'd have a much better approach. You might be able to um, uh, use uh, common technologies. You might be able to pool your resources, all those sorts of things, to give you a better result at the end of the day, rather than wasting that that time and investment. Yeah, now that makes sense, and. Um... I guess slight confession, Andrew. That was probably a bit of a loaded question because um, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of I see this on a daily basis, right? Where organisations, maybe not so much on the AI piece, but especially within the data and analytics piece, where you know organisations, as I said before, they feel a bit of peer pressure. They should be doing more than they're doing, or the competitor down the road is starting to do this, or they've get great results. They're, they're doing AI, they're doing this, they're doing that, and ultimately they jump into this data piece. You know, they might go and hire a couple of data scientists, and then if it doesn't work, it's kind of like, oh, this data science thing doesn't work, and therefore, yeah. let's not invest any money. Or you know, the other thing happens where they go, right, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be, you know, we're gonna be driven by data moving forward. So what do we need? We need a data lake, right? We're going by a data lake, and then they go, right, now what do we do, right? So they, what, this, what do we put in it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's no strategy behind that even sometimes, and and therefore it kind of peters away, so to speak. So I guess I know you started to touch upon what should be within that strategy earlier, mm-hmm. um, but if you were to kind of surmising that for you know people out there that are listening that are thinking around, right, okay, we're going to start to look at – AI or do more and you know we need to have some kind of strategy in place for that what does that strategy often look like and and consist of what are the kind of key key things that you kind of advise people to be thinking about yeah so so kind of the processes I say understanding your business challenges objectives that that's that's the most important thing to do um and then I guess the 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 difficult thing is then identifying the opportunities for AI that meet those challenges. So you have to you have to understand the full range of capabilities for AI, what it can do, what it can't do, what's been done before, et cetera. And this, you know, this is um <clears throat> this is where my kind of you know experience and skills hopefully come in. How, you know, know, knowing all that, being able to through talking to people, through talking through the heads of customer service, the head of IT, the head of finance, et cetera, the head of all these all these different areas understanding what they're trying to do where where the opportunities might be and starting to develop that list of opportunities and then you know um, you can iterate that a few times you know maybe some are not relevant they might have actually done some things before etc so you can kind of get that that list that kind of sits at the heart of the strategy because it's, it's prioritized but then you can summarize that into a heat map so imagine you know the the different departments in in the business and the different technologies. You know I mentioned before, like um, 
prediction and, and optimization and, and image recognition all the different things. Plus, of course, the, like RPA and process change as well, because you know, I, I find just going and talking to these people, you you know, you automatically identify other things as well. Like actually, we could do this better. Not, nothing to do with AI, but you know, you kind of identify process opportunities within that, or you might have a process opportunity and AI together give you the benefit as well. So identifying those, so you must see, imagine a matrix with like here's the really hot areas where we've got lots of opportunities within customer service for prediction, for example, or it might be you know. We got a lot of opportunities within within operations, um, so we might start an operation. And particularly, you know, maybe if the manager of operations is 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 enthusiastic, then that that really helps as well. Or it might be all your opportunities with or most of the opportunities are with the prediction. So let's start with the prediction approach and try that across different departments. You, you kind of marry that against the business value, and that kind of then starts to tease out that roadmap, which is. Right, where do we start? What's the first six months, and then and then the next couple of years as well? First six months is is really really important, and it could be, you know, it's not just like we'll do a proof of value on you know the the top opportunity that we've got, but that that's probably part of it. But there might be that we need to cleanse the data, we need to educate our team, we need to do a road show, you know, all those sorts of things will come into that roadmap as well to make sure that you get the buy-in at the appropriate times within within that so all of those elements kind of wrapped up into that ai strategy that's something that you can present to your senior management team or your board or whatever and saying is here's the art of the possible for ai um here's the sorts of benefits we think we'll get this is this is how we're going to actually um um start this start this journey this is this is what we'll, we'll get at the end of it and that, that that that's kind of really really important. And then you can start to say, right, what's the what you know? Let's let's start implementing that roadmap. And that's when you get into like, well, we need to bring in the data scientists, we need to bring in the vendors, the systems integrators, whatever it is, to kind of help us manage and govern that that road that um, realizing of the strategy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the when you break it down to what you've just said. That sounds mm. so simple, right? You're talking about mm. it's not rocket. It's not rocket science at all. Yeah. Right? You know, that's the thing. And it's sorry to interrupt, but it's kind of, you know, said so my my experiences kind of goes back. You know, work, working in IT and outsourcing, etc. For 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 far too many years. It's just taking all of those learnings. You know, like thirty years of of those learnings and saying, right, with AI, what's different about AI? What do we need to change slightly? And and it's it's kind of just making it relevant to AI. So yeah, none of, none of it's rocket science at all. A lot of it's common sense, but you know, like you know, you just need to go through those steps to get the benefit at the end of the day. And, you know, as you know, most people don't. So. I mean, it comes back to, and I say this every episode, seemingly now. There's, there's an, ele- an element of a cultural shift, right? There's a cultural change that needs to happen for for these things to be successful. Or and if that doesn't happen, then they're often not. But you know. You were there talking about, let's think about what our business objectives are. Let's think about what AI can do. And then basically let's marry those two together with our priorities and put them in some kind of order. And and there we go. We, we've kind of got a strategy. So yeah. that sounds so pl- simplistic, yet many businesses seem to struggle with getting this thing off the ground. Have you kind of identified uh, one or two key points as to why that typically is the case? Yeah, so I think... You know, not not doing that education piece early on, 
you've kind of got to get the high level buy-in because AI has kind of got the gets the attention of people. And you know, lots of people say a lot of a lot of time people say we're just not ready for AI yet. And they might be doing um, uh, an RPA project, and typically they see it as kind of this journey from you know automation RPA into AI, which which does work. But you know, the, the, as I said, the benefits from AI can be orders of magnitude greater than RPA. The the, the two technologies complement each other well, very well. But you can you know they've got their own own uh, benefits that they can bring. So why not start looking at the AI now and, and putting that in place? And, and you can start small. One, one, of, my, one of my big um, adages is always uh, think big, but act small. So understand that after the possible. Understand where you're going. What's, what's your, what are your ambitions? Always start small and, and get that journey. Get those quick wins. Get those successes in, in the bag. Get, get, you, get the right to play. So you can then do do more interesting stuff and more valuable stuff as, as you go forward. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I guess from a from a team structure perspective, um, can can you kind of bake this into your existing data and analytics teams? You know, your existing data science teams, for example. Or, in your opinion, do you need to have someone that's going to be responsible for making sure this strategy gets implemented? You know, as their as their own person or individual or team or whatever the case may be. Yeah, so I think there's two, two different elements. To that one is kind of from the business point of view. So you need people on board. You need that. You know, this the classic stakeholder buy-in. You, you need that. Um, it's not going to happen but from the data science team and it does depend on you know your maturity and what the size of your data science team what they've done before and you know again from like you know job title um, inflation you know people call themselves data scientists that might not necessarily be data scientists Um, and so you can get people that might do um, uh, business information you know just uh, management reporting, etc., which is great. But the, as I said before, there's kind of a mind shift to actually doing uh, machine learning, and it's, it's it's a very very different approach to that. So th- those BI people can definitely get skilled up to to work in machine learning because they'll have some of the you know the, the 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 data mind about them, some of the skills about them. It's just new skills they need to learn, and you know they'll. They need to bring in Python skills or R skills or whatever, and they need to understand the different models, et cetera. And, and all of those risks around, around AI, making sure that you, you've got the right data. And you know, one of, I think one of the points we just kind of touched on earlier, sometimes you can build a model and, and, and it's really, really successful. You get like really good result from it. You think, great, and you can just brush off and implement the model. But it's, you know, it's the last thing you should do because should always be suspicious always be cynical you know so things can be too too good to be true and it's often that you know there's just something in the data that you, that that's um you know predicting itself or whatever it, it, it might be um so you'd always you know that's where you need that kind of data science mindset to be constantly challenging understand the nuances of the data within that and um so so the short answer is yes you you can bake it into your existing data science team if they got those yeah, particularly if they've got the, the Python, the R skills, et cetera, um, it's, you know, it's, it's not too big a, a, a leap into that as long as they've got the mindset. Um, but 
you know, you, you, what you don't need is an AI team, you know, effectively. You, you might have, for large organizations, they, they might think about setting up an AI center of excellence, of which you'll have data scientists within that, and you have your IT infrastructure people, you know, et cetera, kind of work, working on that together. Um, that's for larger organizations. But I think, you know, data scientists, that's that's the key thing. Um, I always find the value that that somebody like me can bring is around articulating what the data scientists can do with their skills into the business value. Some Sometimes the data scientists can kind of, you know, be set a task and, and do that very well, but it might not be exactly what's required of the business. You kind of need to keep questioning, challenging, et cetera, to make sure that it's going to give the business what they want and, and not just like the best model. You know, it's kind of, sometimes you might have to optimize, sub-optimize the model to make it yeah. actually fit for the business, which sometimes yeah. is, is, you know, it's difficult to take sometimes for people, but, but then, yeah. you know, that's, that's, that's life. Yeah, no, and that's a really interesting point, and I guess definitely cre- uh, preaching to the choir here, Andrew. Because if we just go back to the example mm. I mentioned earlier, where organisations they want to go on this data journey, you know, the, the foundations, the infrastructure is probably not in a place where it warrants going to that data science and advanced analytics space. Yet they do that anyway, right? And then often what happens is they hire a couple of data scientists and. They expect this person or these people to be, you know, to, to be leading the way for data across the whole organization. And these people often come out of university. Their expectations are massively skewed about what they should be expecting versus the reality of the situation they find themselves in. And, and then often it's one of those things where, you know, they're great at building models, right? But yeah. the reality of the commercial world is that it doesn't need to be the best, shiniest model. You're not going to have a perfect data set to build it in, so forth and so on, right? So uh, the, the the kind of yeah. the mindset piece is, is definitely important. A um, couple of things to finish on then as we try to kind of wrap this up. So the proof of value and proof of concept kind of notion if you will has always intrigued me because i mean i've had people on the the podcast before that talked about you know the forever ending loop of the proof of value and organization <laughs> just kind of on yeah. that merry-go-round and never actually come out of the other side and start to implement this and get this working for them in in real life why does why does that happen why are organizations kind of obsessed with this proof of concept life cycle that they can't kind of get out of yeah, I, th- I think you know what one 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 thing is you you almost become a victim of your success in terms of we've done a proof of concept and before you can actually productionize that and put it to valuable use they say oh yeah but we could also do that and that and that and, you know and part of that AI strategy is you've got that list of things but you have to think about the process to go through got you got the proof of proof of value that that's worked how do you productionize that whilst you're productionizing that. What's the next one? And you kind of, you know, you, there's, a, there's a loop. And then as you're building up these models, you know, after, you know, three or four models that you build, you might think right now we need to do, have a deployment platform. We now need to think about data pipelines, all these sorts of things as well. So your maturity will gradually increase as you go through. But yeah, people kind of just think, oh, we've done that. What's next? You know, next shiny new thing to, to go after without, without thinking about how, how we get the value out of that, which, which is always, um, always a risk but the, the good thing well it's going to say you know the may, maybe this is another another cause of that is the first proof of value is always the most difficult because that's the point you're challenging 
all the um, the old ways of working and you know if, if, say if they don't have the data there then you have to find the right people they have to say oh you want all that data how am I going to get it to you you know can I can I email it to you you go through this kind of these challenges um, and then you know maybe get some some um, uh, data lake set up to put in all that sort of stuff sometimes that can take forever to do but once you've done it once then the next time you come and ask for it and you say oh yeah right that's all there we just need this data instead and we put it into that so it, it does become a lot easier maybe maybe that's a cause of you know this this kind of never-ending proof, proof of value piece but you know you really again going back to strategy you have to show this journey of the the roadmap of how you get to like productionized systems in place and i think that's really really important to emphasize yeah i mean i guess the logic kind of makes sense right because i guess what you're kind of describing there is they almost want to go and do a proof of value on every piece of of ai that you want to kind of look at yeah. across that prioritization piece as far as the strategy goes but obviously as we know you know, there's only so much time and money a business is willing to invest before they see any return, right? So it's that kind yeah, of small, yeah. small win process again. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah. yeah, there is, there is. The, sorry, Carlo, there is the, you know, this new breed of people, uh, ML ops, machine learning operations, you know, kind of out of the DevOps piece that are becoming more and more important now. And I think, you know, that's, it's an investment that, you know, again, you, know, you talk about you like bringing in data scientists, as, as your maturity increases with AI, you'll need an MLOps team to, to manage all of that as well, manage the pipelines, et cetera, manage the deployments. And the, the ongoing optimization of the models as well, all that sort of stuff. So there is there is investment required once you get you know above a certain level of maturity, but you know, that's that's where the value comes from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that makes that makes sense. So I guess to to finish, Andrew, then the whole buying piece. Again, something that I feel that we're ever, forever constantly talking about, whether we're talking about data and analytics or we're talking about AI or whatever the case may be, you know, and it's almost become its own buzzword. Um, because the whole terminology around AI is often, you know, maybe inflated in people's perception of what it's what it can do and often seen as this magic bullet, do you find that the whole AI piece typically is easier to get buy-in for than it is more traditional data analytics type type work? Initially, you know, from my point of view, imagine I'm going out persuading people to buy my consulting <laughs> services. AI opens the doors for that because they think, you know, it's, it's interesting. But, you know, as I said, if, if they start saying, you know, um, we want to use AI, um, then I have to kind of turn turn the question around Again, what are your business challenges? What are your objectives? Is AI an appropriate solution for those? But it do, it does at least get the momentum going. But then you have to kind of bring everything down to ground, or say make it boring for people. Um, and 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 that's that's when you know you can start adding real value in, into it. So yeah, I think it's um you know some some people say well you know not, not artificial intelligence doesn't exist and like that's that's a completely thing different thing and technically that's right. But if you it, it's it's just a good broad catch-all term, I think, for for this that that gets people's attention and gets yeah. them on the road. Yeah, I guess the terminology is a little bit sexier, isn't it, for want of a better phrase? So it gets a bit more yeah. bit more interest. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Exactly. 
Um, well, look, Andrew, it's been a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Um, conscious of the time we, we, we've spent, and um, you know, could probably chat on for another hour easily. But um, if if anyone wants to reach out to you, kind of interested in working with you, wants advice, um, any questions about what they've heard you kind of speak about today, what's the best way for people to to reach you? Yeah, probably um, email. So my uh, website is thegreenhouse.ai and my email is andrew at thegreenhouse.ai. So that's probably the easiest way. Perfect. Cool. Well, Andrew, thank you very much for giving us your time today. And um, yeah, look forward to, to kind of seeing how your journey unfolds. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Carl. No problem. Speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week. 